and welcome to Beyond the Venue podcast with your host, MG, the venue specialist. I am joined today by my friend, Christine Fisher. Uh, Her and I used to know each other. I guess we first met about, uh, give or take, like 10 years ago uh, while I was in grad school uh, studying, getting that master's in tourism and hospitality management, which ended up kind of being a master's in the craft beer industry, uh, which is how we met. I was doing an internship uh, with a local brewery. And I, I can't remember where you were at the time, Christine, where, 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 what, what were you up to in those days? Um, I think if we met in like 2010 or 11, I was working at Yards, which is the first time I remember meeting you. I distinctly remember being in the tasting room on Delaware Ave and meeting you. And I was a tour guide there on like weekends and would hang out. And then I worked either at Local 44 and Craftwork at the time, or maybe just like one of them. It depends on when we met. Okay, fair enough. And uh, for our listeners, if you're not familiar, Yards is a, a huge local brewery here in Philadelphia. And then Lucky for uh, Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you love Lucky 13. Uh, Lucky 13 is another bar. Um, uh, remember bars? Uh, local 44 out in West Philadelphia. And then Craftwork, their sister location that's in Fishtown. So Ooh, they're not related. You they're not related. Out. Oh, that's right. Okay. When they use. Wait, no, they were never related. <laughs> this is how long it's been since it I, been so I, long. I, even I'm rusty. Wow. Um, yeah. You're probably in wait. a Memphis tap room in that neck of the woods. You know what? I, even sidecar used to be their sister restaurant. I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sometimes we get the parent companies wrong. This this happens. So it's all changed well, since then, anyway. <laughs> and well, which segues right into everything has changed, not just the world, but um when when I first discovered a couple of years ago that I was gluten intolerant, you know, this former beer rep that could no longer drink beer. Uh, I, I remember telling it to someone who used to be in the industry with us and they're like, oh, you and Christine should start a podcast. And I laugh because I'm like, that's right. You experienced all of these uh, allergies while you were working in beer as well. And so that's kind of what what brought us here today to to talk about our insane dietary restrictions. And, um, you know, so hence the title, Hold My Beer, because right. we can no longer, former beer reps who can no longer drink beer. Not so <laughs> we're also going to touch on a lot of kind of the issues that go along with that, because it's not just physical, but there are self-care issues involved. There's mental health. And so we're just kind of going to touch on all of that. And I want to hear a little bit more about your experience when you learned you had food allergies. Cause I just remember you were, I don't know what's wrong. Something is wrong. I'm, I'm help. <laughs> what, what was your experience? Yeah. What, you know, let tell our listeners, like what, what were you going through and, and, and kind of what was the ultimate resolve of the allergies? Yeah. Well, speaking of not being able to drink beer, uh, cheers. Thank cheers. You on your podcast. Nice mug. Um, yeah, it was pretty nuts. I, I grew up having a lot of stomach issues and being like a very like, kind of like put a lot of pressure on myself, firstborn child, kind of like overachiever type. It was always just written off as nerves. Like she's nervous. She has nerves with school, this and that. So I had a lot of trouble like with digestion and then it got worse in college. And I also, 
also knew that there were certain foods I couldn't eat because they made my mouth itchy. And it was always written off as what's called oral allergy syndrome, which is like, if you cook the food, it breaks down the proteins, denatures the protein, and you can eat it. So I would make like peach pie, even though I can't eat a raw peach. Um, there were certain foods I could eat. And then there were other ones I knew that like, I could technically eat cashews, but I will pay for it later. But it never really escalated to like, oh, I can't breathe or this or that. So they thought it wasn't food allergies. And I just kind of avoided those foods. I never underwent food allergy testing. Um, and I just avoided them. So as it turned out, avoiding those foods is probably what kept it from ever becoming like an anaphylactic reaction. I never really like built up a bad reaction. Um, so I actually probably grew up with some food allergies and or developed them as a teen. And then um, in my 20s, nothing really changed. I was still like, I thought I had oral allergy syndrome. I knew what foods I could tolerate cook, which ones I couldn't. Um, and then I had like a really bad, like antibiotic resistance issue with an infection. And then I had to get like a two mega doses of antibiotics and current research is now showing that it's very likely that after sometimes with adults, like heavy antibiotic usage, your digestive system, like your immune response, like your microbiome is thrown off and you're more susceptible to develop food allergies, especially if you already have them. Mm. Um, and so of course I was in the hospitality industry. It's 2010 or when this happened, I guess 11 or 12, I didn't have health insurance. I had to go to a clinic. I got pretty bad frontline care for this issue. It came back and it kept getting worse and they just like threw the book at it. So because of being in that like disadvantage, I ended up being put in this situation. And so like, I kind of was getting like gradually like a little bit off. Sometimes it'd be like, oh, I'd throw up after having like two beers or something where you don't expect like, I can handle two beers. Like I work in the beer industry, you know? Right. And so I got the beer rep job the year I turned 30 and I was so, so excited. It was like, I got my dream job. I turned 30, like things are turning around. This is going to be awesome. And pretty soon after that, especially from like drinking beer more often, um, I started getting sick and it starts out small at first. It was like, sometimes it felt like, oh, I have to like, I kind of like feel like I have to pee all the time or like my skin is breaking out in these weird, like things that don't look like hives because they're flat, but they burn like hell. Like even now you can see it sometimes, like I'll use something I'm not allergic to, but my skin can be so sensitive that it kind of like reacts for a little bit. Um, my hair started falling out. I was throwing up a lot more often than like you would. Okay, I was just throwing up period. Like I was having, you know, I was throwing up a lot. and was like, this is weird. Um, I would get dizzy. I would wake up feeling like I've been hit by a truck. Um, I think, yeah, it was pretty much like every part of my body I was having issues and my anxiety was weird. Like I would get like, like racing thoughts. And my heart would be racing. And well, if all that stuff is happening to your body, I can't, I can't even imagine. No wonder I, you'd be completely filled with anxiety for sure. Yeah. It was really strange. And I think like stubbornly, you know, along the way it was like, Hey, you should get checked out for food allergies. And I was always like, no, no, no. Like I'll see a dermatologist. I'll see a stomach doctor. I'll see whatever, you know, I'll see like these specialists who are all kind of like, well, I don't see any obvious reason for like what's going on. Um, so finally, like of all things, I went to my gynecologist complaining. And I was felt like I was having like weird issues and she was like, you're completely fine. But if you're having these like full body reactions, have you thought about food allergy testing? <laughs> <laughs> no, no one's ever suggested that before. <laughs> so sure enough, it took seeing like every specialist ever until finally one was like, you're going, like you're going for food allergy testing. So um, I went in for that. I got set up with an allergist, you know, and that takes like five months. So I like, I get on the books with an allergist, and, you know, like five freaking months later, you actually get an appointment and go in. Um, it all came to a head. Like it started, like I was spiraling. I was really sick um, mentally, physically. Um, and then it came 
came to a head. I lost my job. And a week later, I think like to the day, I went into the doctor's office. I had found out through the blood work results that I was allergic to beer. I couldn't even do skin testing because I was so sick that skin testing could have put me in the hospital. They were wow. Yeah. To this day, I've never been able to go off of Zyrtec for five days long enough to take skin tests to like, check. wow, because yeah, they're more accurate, but I can't get them done. <laughs> um, so long story short, I finally got to like, even when I got the results in my inbox, that were like positive for barley, positive for hops. I was like, nah, like that's a false <laughs> positive. Like, no. Do the test like, over. I'll wait another no. five months. No problem. Yeah. Every Google thing I could find about like blood tests being less less reliable. I was like, it's fake. It's fake. It's fake. So I go into the doctor's appointment and she also pulled up like my whole blood panel. And she was like, Christine, I don't know how you walked into the doctor's office today. Like you should be in the <sighs> hospital. We don't even have a measurement for how bad your IgE, which is like the amount of like your, your immune response to it. She's like, we, we, it's off. Like it isn't measured. <laughs> high is like above 110 and you are maybe somewhere around like 4,000. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so that geez. was it. And then my life changed and I was in. Was it just the immediately like if like once you cut it out, like once you stopped drinking beer and then like consuming everything that they, was it like an immediate fix, at least for the um, physical symptoms? Oh, that's a good question. Yes and no. Um, so I also can't, I was also told explicitly I had an allergy to nuts, which I'd always thought like I kind of didn't. And um, every single nut, them. not even like a specific one? Um, most nuts, like some of them are in like families, but I'm, I react to all of them. I'm technically allergic to peanuts, but because I eat them like all the time, as long as I keep eating them every day, I stay sensitized. So um, I avoid them when I'm like traveling, like things like, like I'm going to be on an airplane. Like I don't get peanuts <laughs> just in case, like you're not near a hospital, you're in the air. Um, but like remember traveling yeah um like or if I have like an important test or something right like I'll I'll like some important deadline or something I'll avoid like peanuts but just in case but I I've generally I've been sensitized to them um I also found out I was allergic to soy sesame um I I think oh and most fruit like most fruit I'm allergic to most fruit as as I thought I had OAS I'm actually like anaphylactic or like what is what is OAS Oh, the oral allergy syndrome, which like- Oh, yes. Okay. That you alluded to earlier. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It never triggers anaphylaxis if it's OAS, apparently, but I don't have that. So I cut out all those foods, or so I thought. So there was like, at first there was like a- (laughs) I thought I I covered it, but then then we- Did we get version 2.0 of- Did you you eat something that, that set off another spiral? So, yeah, so I cut all those things out and I started feeling better, but then within like two months, I didn't feel as much better anymore. And I found out that uh, all-purpose flour has barley in it and like a ton Uh, of bread products just have barley in their blend. It's a particularly American thing for some reason. I don't know why, but yeah, we put barley into like most of our bread products. So I started getting sick again and I couldn't figure out what it was. And then it turned out like, oh a ton of like bread products you're used to eating are actually also poisonous. Well, that was something that I was surprised. Cause I guess I, it's always difficult to keep up with all of your friends <laughs> specific, you know, allergies and dietary restrictions, because I know that, you know, my group of girlfriends that a lot of us have varying degrees of different things that we can and can't eat. And so 
you know, with me, it was okay. Once I started working at DeBruno Brothers, which for our listeners, that's a, you know, fantastic, uh, she's an Italian specialty shop here in Philly and, and beyond congratulations to you guys with your brand new store on the main line. Um, but you know, starting to work for them and I'm eating a ton of cheese and I was like, okay, I'm dying. What's happening. And so I go to the doctor and they say, stop eating, stop, stop consuming dairy for three weeks. And I'm like, no, there's no way. There is no way. Absolutely not. And I did it and I'm like, damn it. (laughs) Oh, well, so then you learn, okay, you know, what is aged and what is soft and, you know, mozzarella is, is going to destroy me, but Parmesan, we are aces. So just kind of navigating that field and still, you know, playing with fire. Cause I think another thing I learned it's, you know, instead of being allergic to something, it's like, okay, how much can your body tolerate? And with lactose, it seems like it is a, um, almost like a well that if you avoid all dairy for, you know, a while that the well depletes and like, you can have a little bit of lactose and you should theoretically be fine. But when you're just, Oh, okay. Now I am spending 20 to 40 hours a week in a cheese shop. (laughs) Things are not going so well. And it was a year later that I'm like, something is still wrong. So I went to go get the allergy test and, it was awful, but you know, when you're getting stabbed with all of these needles, but at the same time, they're like, you have no food allergies. So it's frustrating when you have no idea, like what the answers are. And so the, you know, doctors, he, I think the allergist prefaced this with, you know, doctors typically will not tell you to go home and Google something, but he did say, go home and Google <laughs> FODMAPs. And so that was totally life-changing for me because that's when I learned that, you know, these FODMAPs are specific carbohydrates that when you eat them just cause a severe, intense stomach cramping and like a whole slew of other issues. So once I learned that, you know, gluten is high on this list, lactose is high on this list, every single fruit, and there are just so many different, you know, garlic and onions are at the top of the list. And I realized like, oh, I cook with all of these things and I love Love all these things. And now I have to cut them all out of my diet. Like this sucks. <laughs> but once I stopped eating them, I did start to feel a lot better. And so I remember when we talked recently that, you know, you can still have gluten as long as it doesn't have barley or soy in it. And so gluten-free doesn't necessarily help you. And so I, I think that that's been a struggle for both of us in this past year of we want to support our our hospitality industry <laughs> but you know i'm buying as many to go cocktails and bottles of wine that i can but it, you know we'll still order out but it's playing with fire every time of and so for me i might have i'll have a completely different reaction than if you <laughs> so how have you been navigating this past year with takeout or has, have you just been cooking for the last 370 days? <laughs> I am so tired of cooking. I can, uh, just get that out of the gate right now. No. Oh my God. Also, you just reminded me, I'm also lactose intolerant, <laughs> like on top of my allergies. And that was like the same process. Like I did, I wasn't lactose intolerant when I was younger. We drank tons of milk at the house, 2%, always like, you know, fat and everything. 
And then I started working at like a cafe as a barista and drinking like lattes all the time. It was kind of like, these aren't sitting well. And I get through college and like progressively my stomach's getting more and more off. And for years, my mom was kind of like, what if you're lactose intolerant? And I was like, I, w- I-, I refuse to believe that. And I'm just going to like, just going to like live in misery. And then I finally, like, it got to the point where it was like, I would eat a cheese sandwich. Oh, I was also a vegetarian. So I ate cheese like 800 times a day or dairy, like 800 times a day. So I got to the point where I was like, directly would eat cheese or whatever and get sick. And it was like, okay. So then I started buying the pills. And lucky for me, it's, I mean, it's not a FODMAPs issue at all. It's like completely just like a lactose intolerance issue. So I take those little pills, but if I am out traveling and I forgot to buy them, like that's another thing not on the menu because if it has a good amount of lactose in it, for me, it's like the opposite. It's funny with my allergies, that well analogy is perfect. I use that all the time, actually. I explain it as like a bucket, like an allergy, like different things can fill like the IgE response bucket, the immune response. Like it could be like a bad seasonal allergy day. So I'm already like, oh shit, that bucket's kind of full already. And now I'm going to add in like, well, I ate something I'm mildly allergic to, but that ended up being the thing that set me off. Whereas on a normal day in the middle of winter, it might not have set me off. Um, And also like, you know, any mild allergy one day can be severe. And so I am obviously like overly cautious. Whereas like, if I eat something I'm really allergic to, but like you said, I haven't had it in 10 years, I probably won't actually have a bad reaction. But if I were to like, keep eating it, I would. And it's, 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 it's rolling the dice every time because I, it's the same thing. I, sometimes I'll eat things I'm not supposed to and I'm fine. And sometimes I'll have like just a teeny tiny bit and I'm not fine. And it's, but I, I think a lot of this, I mean, for me, and I'm sure this probably happened to you as well, that this was also coming at a, like a very transitional time in my life where I was forced to really confront a lot of issues that I was going through. And um, you know, around the time of the, the FODMAP realization, uh, finally started seeing a therapist and, um, it's, you know, I always try and bring it up in appropriate spaces because I, you know, Medicare for all and include a therapist for everybody, because I, I wholeheartedly believe it's, you know, a lot of us are in therapy because of the people that won't go. (laughs) Oh, big time. That's perfect. So, um, I, I, I would just kind of, you know, love to give you the floor to talk about your own experiences and, you know, kind of anything that you want to highlight and share with the listeners for, um, you know, your journey and any tips that have maybe worked for you or, um, just kind of like, uh, any, any sort of realizations that, that you think might be, might be helpful for our listeners. Yeah, well, I totally did not answer your question about how I've been adjusting to the pandemic. So I will answer that one, I realize. Um, It's tough. So a month before the pandemic shut everything down, I moved to another neighborhood. So I live in Fishtown now, which is fun and great. It has tons of takeout, except everything shut down a month later. And so what had kept me going with all these food allergies is when I finally accepted it. And I I mean, it it took months until I finally had like that last year, which was probably April. And I was diagnosed in like, November um so once I finally got to that point and like you know the you hit the like acceptance stage and so then it became about like relationships um I either email places ahead of time if I'm if I'm traveling like I like to go out of town I travel a lot for work personal um I will scout the places that look like okay I'm probably going to go here and I will email them well in advance and try to find out what I can eat on their menu because I've been that server at the table at a lunch rush or a dinner rush and like you don't have 10 minutes to go to the kitchen and find out what's in everything 
that said, if you run a restaurant, you should have a list of like your ingredients or allergy training for your servers. But like, I'm not going to assume that, um, especially if it's just like a takeout and there's like staff turnover, like who knows? Um, so yeah, so I do like a lot of like, if I'm traveling, I do a lot of emailing in advance and, and just like kind of getting that good to go. And I've had really good luck with that. Um, I'll also prioritize if I'm traveling, like going to a higher end place or a couple higher end places, because they will do that work with me. They'll literally like hand me a menu, like here's everything you can get, order like what you want, have a night, like have a great night. And that's been amazing. Um, but for like that everyday takeout spot, I had just lived in the same neighborhood for years. I knew, and knew everyone. I knew and, knew, house, uh, yeah. and it was yes, like, they knew my allergies. Like, oh my God, Christine, we changed this. It doesn't have soy in it anymore. You can have it. Or, oh, now we put beer in that sauce. You can't have it. Like that paid off in spades. And then I moved here. Because you like, lived oh, in West we- Philly for a long time, oh right? Gosh, forever, forever. And I worked in West Philly, like, I was, you know, embedded. Um, and so it was like, oh, fun. I'll move to a new neighborhood and get to try new spots. Oh, nope. The world shut down. I don't know any of them. They're slammed. They're spiraling. They're trying to figure out PPP. I mean, it was just a nightmare. So really like I found like, they were a little less concerned about your food allergies and more of like where they're going to get their next paycheck for sure. Yeah. And also like a little bit of martyr syndrome of being like, I don't want to bother them. Like, yeah. I don't want to bother you know, I know that they're dealing with like a million people dealing with their crap. So as things have gone on, what I've done is like pick, I, I still, I, I, to be honest, I've been really bad about it. I, I really don't order takeout just like you I've been like getting the takeout drinks from places I can go to um I order from like the same place here and I I'm not going to name them but I called and was like hey I wanted to know if I could have like this bread product is it a barley in it and I didn't call it a busy time the whole nine and they were like well that label's like in the basement I was like okay <laughs> they're like we're just not going to like find the answer out for you and I was like are, are they able okay. to share the brand of who they use? Cause I know I'll email them, you know, like I'm not going to give up on them, but like, that, you know, that's a classic example of things that like happens. People are like, I, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Which is uh, why yeah. I mean the emailing in advance and like whenever someone is able to get back to that, you know, it's, it's, it sucks for everyone. And I, yeah. Yeah. I am cooking. I finally got better at cooking, which is like definitely an upside to this pandemic because I really need to get better at cooking. Um, but it is, geez, I can't cook like a lot. It is, it is it's too much. But like takeout wise too, I think that like menus change. And so if you have food restrictions, just because like a month ago you were able to get that burrito doesn't mean this month you can't, right? Restaurants are all doing their best right now with suppliers and what they're doing. So you still have to check. Like it's still on you uh, to check. And without the face-to-face like leaning over the bar being like hey look like I have being job. able to have that conversation with the server or your bartender and oh let me go check with chef yeah no problem but it's not the same when it's like hey grubhub or whatever like don't kill me you know and and i i can't blame restaurants as well like plenty of times when we've been ordering uh on the weekends that they'll turn off the ability to make modifications on certain items. And I, I get it. You know, I, I think they're still completely slammed on the weekends, which is great. Um, so it's, it's just kind of like being smart and thinking ahead and, you know, constantly having the fight with (laughs) my husband of, okay, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? And I honestly, it's, you know, and talking about the cooking that I somehow kind of worked myself into this anxiety spiral about food prep because of the pandemic that, 
you know, being able to have taken advantage forever about, okay, I'm just going to run out and get this and not even having to necessarily meal plan because, oh, I can order this or I can swing by here. I can, you know, I'm always out and about so I can grab this on my way home. And you know, thinking about it for weeks in advance. And it got infinitely worse when we would travel because we would go to these remote locations where the idea was to just be in nature and not go anywhere. But specifically when we went to Maine, we were going to be gone for two and a half weeks. And so to pack, you know, it just, I put way too much pressure on myself. And once I named that and said that out loud and as like, I need to chill on this. I need to come up with a better system because this, this is not healthy. This is not because I have to be so cognizant of like, what's going to make me feel terrible and what's, and what's not. So, um, it's, I, I, so this is, this is something that I've learned that if there's something that's kind of causing you anxiety, you got to name it and you got to, you got to put a face to it and you got to put it out there and okay, how am I going to deal with this? Like, let's move on. Yeah. I basically, when I travel, I'll like, I joke, but like my, my car is like a deli on wheels. Like there's a cooler with Pogo. It's like, like, I love to travel. I'll road trip myself. I drove myself from like LA to Albuquerque and like, yeah, I had a cooler. Like, it's like a little deli bag there, like all sorts of snacks and everything. Cause I cannot like, I'm a why wasn't I doing that when I was on the road? You should have told, let's, let's get in a time machine to 2011 so I can have healthier snacks and not be getting something at Wawa when I need something to eat in my car. No, oh, totally. And I joke, but like, I'm the person that walks into Wawa and there's like, oh, here's the five things I can get in this entire place. And I live off of hard boiled eggs, pretzel bites that I can eat and like the pickle bag. Like I'm just like, all right, I'm good. I've got like a vegetable, a protein, a carb, like I'm good a for a couple more hours. meal. <laughs> Um, Um, yeah, I mean, something that like people can also be good about, like this is a tip for people who want to be like nicer to people with food allergies, like let them bring their own food to things. You know, I hate when people pressure me, like, let me cook for you. Let me cook for you. Like that does not always work out. And I love you dearly, but I have paid the price for that. And it like, they get a taste of my anxiety for once, which is nice. Like, yeah, you see how hard this is to read the label of everything you buy every time, just in case the label changed man um, because you don't have a designation like i have to look for you know dairy free gluten free what have you you don't have you have to look at all the ingredients yeah and it's a risk reward scenario spices natural flavors um those could kill me at any given day and they don't have to be labeled so i just like how much spices will i eat today how much natural flavors can i eat today you know it's a balance like do i need this product enough to like you know take that risk roll those dice um, you know live a little but something that people can just definitely like let you bring your own food uh, but also like I, I definitely think when we get back to hosting more for other people like treat people with food allergies or food restrictions like with respect like it's still kind of maligned and like a, you're allowed to like joke about it um I mean I know in the industry as soon as it was like oh she's allergic to beer there were people who literally acted like I didn't do this so like like you mentioned this I think right at the beginning almost like there are social like repercussions from having food allergies people will treat you differently at a party like oh don't let christine near that she'll die and it's like would you be joking about me being like deaf like would you like i don't think you would and it's not the same but like i could yeah i could die so maybe don't talk about it unless you know i'm comfortable with it um yeah and and people will be like weird and i think 
also something people can do if they're watching this and they don't have food allergies like when someone comes to you and tells you they have them or restrictions don't be like oh i don't know what i would do if that happened to me or oh i would kill myself if that happened to me like the amount of time someone says that to me is like do you well okay i i'm i'm like i'm i'm it's what i pay a therapist for i'm work i'm working through it so (laughs) Um, which brings me back. Like, I really, I, oh, I know yes, that yeah. you wanted to, to highlight, um, you know, the, the topic of mental health. So I, I, you know, really want to hear from you about your thoughts. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Cause it's like, I didn't go to see a therapist when all that went down, you know, my health coverage was spotty. I was on and off insurance. Um, and I thought like, I got really anxious once I got the food allergies and then trying to live with having food allergies is it's so scary. It's terrifying. Like, Lots of people in your life just won't get it, um, won't accommodate you. Um, everything, every, you know, I made my life about beer for five years. Like I quit my job in nonprofit at 25 because I was miserable and was like, okay, here's my path forward. I'm going to become a beer rep. I'm going to like work my butt off. Um, and I got my dream job and immediately it was like a nightmare. So now I was back at square one and I'm in my thirties and I'm like, oh my God, like what, what do I do? Like it felt like my world was ending, right? Like, of course you're like 31 and like, you know, my world is over, you know? And I thought once I got a handle on the food allergy stuff that my anxiety would go away and it did and it got like worse and worse. So even though things were managed, I was back working. Um, I got hired at the Wharton School, which also I went back to working at Penn, which is my alma mater and a place I'd worked before in events. Um, I went back to working there because I was worried about getting a job somewhere that I could be fired from being sick. And so I was like, wow, I'll work at a university because uh, there's ample sick time and paid time off. It's, you're far less likely to ever be fired. So that's just how it is. Um, and there will be a place for me as someone who is like sick a lot. And that that's what I did. Um, it, thank God, like I connected with a lot of the right people. I've found such like amazing colleagues through working there. I'm now on my third role there, um, just getting promoted, promoted, promoted. And like, that is all new for me. I went through life like spiraling with anxiety. And as it turned out, not just undiagnosed food allergies, but undiagnosed ADHD and undiagnosed level one autism or like mild or high functioning autism. And so you get to be in your thirties and you're given like more and more and more responsibility. And you would always been like an overachiever. And suddenly you are like a horrific underachiever with anxiety and like not, you know, just spiraling. It really like, I finally got to a point with the anxiety where I was like, this is untenable. Like I've got, I've got the good job. I've got the food allergies under control. I've got, the life I've got. Friends. I should be like, fine. Yeah. yeah. Why, why am I not okay? I should be okay. Yeah. I would wake up and in second, my heart would be racing. And I would be in a panic attack. And I was like, okay, something is very wrong. So I went to, I finally found a therapist. I found a neuropsychologist to do like, like try to diagnose me with anything or nothing. Just like throw the book at it. Like what is going on? Was it, did it um, feel like the food allergy process a little bit all over again of like, i I'm not ready to accept this or hear the results, but I, I know that I'm, I am coming in kicking and screaming, dragging my feet, <laughs> but I know that things are bad and I need answers. A thousand percent. It was like, I can't go on like this, even though I'm terrified of what will happen after this. Right. Yeah. And so even when, you know, preliminary talks with the guy, we're kind of like, I think we're going in this direction. And then even though like, there's definite family history on some of those things. And I was like, okay. but no, right. Like that's not really going to ha- happen. And then sure enough, like it felt like I'd got punched in the gut and he was like, you know, testing reveals that you are, you have like level one autism spectrum disorder. He's like, I can 
officially or not officially diagnose you with that, depending on how comfortable you are, because it can have like ramifications. Um, but he's like, I also like ADHD. Like you have ADHD, like let's get you set up with somebody to help you like immediately. <laughs> so that and you are can these all functioning? Um, are would um what is so I, I'm very curious what the next steps are because I know that there's I, I guess I'm not very familiar with um uh, like post diagnosis like what what's next you know is it is it strictly um like cognitive or are is there medication involved or is it just a whole bunch of yoga and meditation um on any given day herbs? it's like one of one of those things right. Like nothing works all the time, which is so important. Like I'm just talking about my experience as one person who went through like one specific path. Um, but that said, like the more like bigger takeaway for me was like getting that diagnosis. And this is less than two years ago now that all this happened. So I'm, yeah, less than two years diagnosed. And um, I, you know, people talk about like, what's the point of the diagnosis? What's this and that? And like often, I mean, practitioners have, have answers <laughs> to well, get I, the why. I kid you not. I felt like I lost 20 pounds of stress. Like just, I went from just like knowing big time. I mean, it was such a weight off my shoulders to be like, I can find things that actually work for me now that I know something about myself, like naming it, like you said, right? Like it, it was named. And now the strategies that weren't working, you understand why they weren't working and you can pivot and look at strategies that will work for how your brain actually Sorry, works. We don't use the word pivot on my podcast. I, <laughs> <laughs> you're on mute barb ah, all right. i'm just giving you a hard time um but it's, okay, yeah, I'm, but I'm you're right circle back to that <laughs> <laughs> i'll still use that i was using that before the pandemic because that's that's i know that's no that's I'm what we do right there with you, right there with you. <laughs> um no but like yeah so but it's still oh my gosh i mean it took me forever i took me forever to put myself first and get a therapy it took me forever to like actually get to a point where I was like I have to do things to work on this yeah yeah and so it's a mix um I have a therapist so I do cognitive strategies with him um my physical health is important so like I've been going on and off of like some injuries the past year so I can't exercise as much which has like a really bad effect on me so like you said like even yoga like just finding ways to keep my body from like breaking again is really important but it also helps ADHD um, but even just like on a broader level, um, I started a medication, which went great until it didn't. And my medication, which was helped me like really hold it together last semester. Uh, I'm also in grad school. So I'm like, I'm working and going to grad school and ADHD and like all the things. And it's a pandemic. And, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just brutal. Um, but I, the medicine all of a sudden wasn't, and it was causing severe depression, like deep, wow. severe oh, depression geez. that I'd wake up the next morning off the medicine and be like oh all right well I feel normal again that was bad and I finally through journaling which like I can't recommend that enough I'm like I don't aggressively journal I've just got like a really super messy like bullet journal that's not pretty whatsoever but just tracking like I took the med today or not my mood was in the fucking gutter today or not you know I was able to look back and be like oh my god every single bad day was a medicine day huh Maybe it's time to try a new medicine or take it or not take any you know so I just started a new medicine this week. We'll see. Um, but ultimately you need the cognitive skills, whether you have a diagnosable illness or you just are having like deep anxiety because we live in a pandemic and it's been a nightmare. You've got to figure out 
what you, what makes you anxious and if you're not quite there yet because that's harder to do without a professional just knowing what you do when you're anxious i spiral i catastrophize so i've got to find the ways to like i don't have to drop out of grad school just because i'm having a bad day right but that's where my brain goes so if you're the kind of person that does that you've got to find the things or the people whatever it is that helps you stop doing that thing yeah <sighs> Well, speaking of people, um, I know we miss hanging out with friends and and being together. And so um, I wanted you to share with our audience your experience as a Quizzo host. Um, I, I've attended a couple of your Quizzos. I, I don't think I ever... I don't think I ever got to go to any in person because you, I always had something else going on every time you would host one. Um but I, I cannot wait until you do a Parks and Rec Quizzo because I'm just, I just, I have to do it. <laughs> It'll come um, again. It'll come again. <laughs> but I did participate uh, with some of my girlfriends in the Gilmore Girls Quizzo where I knew I would knew I would know a couple of the answers, but this group of girls, like I knew that they were going to take it. And so I just kind of sat back and watched on the, the Google chat of how they were like, they had just immediately knew the answers and a lot of the references I just didn't get, but I was super excited to be able to support you as well as it was also there for the hilarity of how intense people get about a particular television show. So, you know, kind of the, the past, present and future of Christine's Quizzo show. Oh man. Yeah, that's a good, um, well, thank you for coming to that. Cause like, I mean, that's the thing, like my goal is to host a Quizzo where even the team that gets like five questions, right. Still has fun and doesn't leave early. Like if people are leaving early, like I'm bummed, especially in person or, but even online, like people will be like, ah, we're going to just not do the third round. Right. So that, that my goal is to like not have that happen. Um, and the quiz switching to online is, been fun in weird ways for like it's almost like they've gotten nerdier it's almost like the nerds of the nerds show up and since they're all like a specific theme like you said um like I just hosted one for criminal mind like I have free reign because I really only I only host for something I know a lot about or like my best friend or like a helper or someone can like co-write with me if I don't feel as knowledgeable on it so usually I'm a mega fan of whatever I'm hosting and I just can go nuts with like the jokes and so I want to set it up to be a fun event with like clips or different things like that. We did some polls at one of my most recent ones. So there was like in event polling and just getting people talking. Like if I hear the groups talking and laughing at the opening close, like without me even doing any hosting, like I've, 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 I've killed it. And in the pandemic, it's been particularly like well responded to because people get to spend an hour connecting with strangers. Like that's something we're all missing. Like, I mean, I would kill to see you. And obviously I've driven to your house with like gluten-free donuts. And, I have like, loved the Christine pull up. Like I'll get a text message an hour before and hey, yeah. are you home? I'm just going to show up at your house and uh, can you just come up on my stoop and say hi? And I'm going to force feed you gluten-free donuts. Uh <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like a okay, big that sounds good. <laughs> see you soon. I'll get the dog on a leash. <laughs> Right. But like, you also miss like, you know, going to Fountain Porter where I'd meet you and it's like, oh, we're also now we're talking to the person next to us that we've never met before. But we miss that. So these online quizzes have been a way to actually get strangers in, in a room together and interact, which for some people has just been so like rewarding. Um, so I've been really grateful to Rock Cafe Live for being able to move those online. And so your quizzo, you're just going to keep on doing it however way, shape or form you can. 
I do. And, I, you know, speaking of mental health, I recently got like, in the same week, a bunch of offers and asked to do private quizzes for a school. Oh, yeah. That makes perfect it's sense. Yeah. Exciting, except when it's like not a good time, right? Like, yeah. learning how. <laughs> I, I got I'm some stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. I, and I don't mean like, oh, it's a bad time, like the pandemic. I mean, like, literally, if it's like I've got three, you know, my mom was having surgery and I had like two grad school assignments to do. It's like, could I take this quiz? Could I work myself to the bone, stay up all night? and be frustrated and scared. I'm not going to do a good job and take this for the money, which arguably like I want, right. To pay for school. Um, but that's something that's become really important. I started hosting Quizzo in 2010, actually at the Blockly RIP. Um, oh man, the Blockly. <laughs> that was also called, Oh, what was it called when I was an undergrad at Drexel? They opened oh. my senior year at Drexel Bra- brownies. I think oh, it was called brownies. Yeah, that was a brownies at one point. It was a brownies yeah. in uh, in two thousand four, and that was our our Thursday night spot. That is, is it was as college as college gets. Yeah, I was a fan uh, of the chilies next door. <laughs> it's, I mean, I hear it's like no place else. Oh god, so good. Like, yeah, so for ten years, right? I, I I went from like a starving mentality of like take every job, work yourself to the bone, to like okay, well, I have a job. This is the bonus job. Learning when to say yes and when to say no, like not even just in a protect my brand kind of way. None of these things would have hurt my brand, but they would have hurt my mental health. That's self-care. That is prioritizing you. Yes. Yeah. And it's hard. Like it's hard not to feel like selfish or weird or wrong. And I, you know, I was like, of course, like I've got plenty of dates, not this week, right? Also last minute requests, right? Like how much do you have to honor that? Right. But it, it is, it's something you have to think about. Like you, you take on new clients all the time. You're a one woman show at your job. Like you can't take all the work and you've got to figure out how to, how to express that to people. It's yeah. I, I think I, I learned pretty well a couple of years ago of like how to say no. And it, it maybe that coincided with everything I went through and starting to see a therapist. And like, I, I don't think that was necessarily something I talked about with her, but maybe that was just something that was evolving. I who knows? But um, I'm an only child. I'm an only child. I do what I want. <laughs> I, was saying, I mean, you talk about like we go to therapy because people who don't like the generation before us, it was work all the time, say yes, like don't go to therapy, you know. And so I'm learning that, like, yes, again, like, did my dad have three kids, a full time job, and a part time job? I think and go to grad school all at the same time. Yes is that healthy? Maybe not. And so like, here I am, and I'm going to try to not just do that because somebody else did and pulled it off. Right. It also meant that my mom like did an insane amount of work. And so it was, you know, it, it's like, it's not a one-to-one thing just because like one person did it doesn't mean you can or should do it. I think it's it's really important. (laughs) We always try to tell ourselves like, don't compare yourself to other people, but it is so hard. And so I, I saw this quote that I've shared a couple of times on Instagram. Um, but a flower never compares itself to another flower. It just blooms. <laughs> and so I try to remind myself of that, that, you know, it's everybody's got their own story, their own struggles, their own successes. And so all we can really do is be empathetic to, to one another and, and, you know, remember that somebody might be having an absolutely terrible day and they're just trying to hold it together. So, um, 
Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for really opening up and and sharing a lot of that with us. I I really appreciate it. So um, the the last shout out the people who did that. Sorry, just no, honestly, that like, I continue to kind of be open and upfront, like the way you said, like, I'll talk to anyone about FODMAPs, because I want them to, to be able to know and have that learning. Like, it took so many other like strong people I know, modeling openness and vulnerability and things that like I learned from them. And so I, I choose to kind of like be open about it, you know, to the extent that I'm comfortable um, for that reason, you know? And so it's i uh, I'm really grateful to people who also the show crazy ex-girlfriend of all things. I yes, watched that. I was like, that was great. I was like, okay. You that was know great. what? Like, yes, Rachel Bloom. Like yes. I will go to a therapist. Thank you for I, putting this out there. Took her a while to get there, but I was very entertained by that show for sure. <laughs> Well, the last, the last question that I'm going to ask you today is your favorite venue. Tell me about, and it could be anywhere in the world. I know how much you love New Orleans, Um, but you know, whether it just brings (laughs) back fond memories or if the pandemic were over, that's where you'd be right now. Um, Just what, what is a, a venue that you absolutely adore? Ooh, okay. Good question. Um, well, I do, I, I would kill to go back to Rock Cafe Live right now. I even, I work at, um, at the Wharton School for McNulty or for, for Wharton Leadership Ventures. And, uh, like my office is on Walnut Street and I used to leave all the time and walk past World Cafe and I could just go to shows. They have like a million different types of shows and I could just go to a show all the time. And over the years, you know, I've been hosting there for over four years now, like just the relationships they've developed, the people who work there, like, I just care about that place. And I am so glad they're still going. So. I, like as soon as I can go there, <laughs> I will be going to Rock Cafe Live for sure. Even if I'm not like hosting a quizzo. Um, and then yeah, I always say if it's cheating a little, tied with that is just like the entire city of New Orleans, right? Like <laughs> there's a million music venues. Like I can't pick one. Like also just walking around, there just is music. And so like as a venue, um, I am busting to go back to New Orleans. Uh, I you can drop me off at Bacchanal anytime. I just loved everything about that place. Um, I, I know Bob and I definitely would love to go back just the two of us. Cause when we went, we traveled with a group of 12 friends. Yeah. So it is a very yeah. different experience when you go with a large group versus when we can go to some of the nicer establishments. But, um, Oh, I love I, Helen Jolay. She plays at Bacchanal. Um, and I always go see Aurora Nealand and Tom McDermott play their like duo at Bufa's like that's a must do when you go so we definitely shout them out well, I've been building up those Southwest points. So as soon as I get vaccinated, we're we're going to start uh, planning our trip. So, well, Christine, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today. Um, I absolutely loved our conversation. Uh, will you please let our listeners know uh, either how they can follow you or where they can get updates about your quizzos? Oh, yeah. Um, to learn about quizzos, uh, the best case is to sign up for the World Cafe Live newsletter. So I don't do like self-promote. I'm just sort of like an in-house you know, themed trivia host for them. So follow Rock Cafe on all their socials and definitely their newsletters. So they'll spotlight upcoming new events. Um, and then beyond that, I do like, if you can tolerate a million posts of my dog in between quizzo announcements, my Instagram handle is chrisfish215. Uh, so yeah, so like Chris, F-I-S-H-215. Yeah, it's mostly dogs, um, but there's also, you know, Quizzo content and the like. Who doesn't love dogs? <laughs> well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, make sure you follow Beyond the Venue podcast on Instagram <laughs> and also subscribe on all your favorite streaming platforms. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mary Grace.